Good evening, everyone. Jude Seymour, editor and writer for One Foot Down, uh, joined tonight by a first-time podcast uh, guest, but he's also a writer on our staff, Brendan McAlladin. Did I say that right? Allenden? Uh, close to sticking the landing. Uh, Matt Linden. Yeah, what? I heard. Uh, One more time? McAlladin. McAlladin. I wasn't even close, Brendan. Uh, I mean, it's, yeah, it's Irish last name. It's either Mick or Mac. Uh, I heard. Uh, Josh almost, uh, he got it at the end of the podcast last time, and I uh, kind of smirked. Yeah, I should have actually asked you that. A real professional would have asked you before I hit record, but um, we are just, we are flying together tonight. Um, Brendan actually lives and grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Is that right, Brendan? Yeah, it's been been a harrowing uh, 34 years. (laughs) I really enjoyed your story about uh, thinking that you could avoid the teasing at school by skipping the Monday after the loss to uh, Boston College in 1993, like no, somehow it, they wouldn't find you on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a valuable lesson that definitely applied uh, the next year when uh, Remy Hamilton broke my heart. Oh. So um, you have done some deep dives into um, some statistics that I think are interesting. Um, some have to do with um, Michigan, who is our upcoming opponent on Saturday, 7.30 on ABC. So I just want to I want to start you wherever you want to start. Uh, let's talk about some stats that, that jumped out to you. And, um, so, you know, let's talk about let's talk about both sides. Stats that people are talking about that actually don't matter and stats that maybe people aren't talking about um, that could truly prove significant here on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, the most important stat, uh, according to the press and the media generally leading up to this game, is the fact that Notre Dame has a one road victory at, at Michigan. Um, in the, the modern era of, you know, 90s onward, it's that 2005 uh, Charlie Weiss welcome to the party. Um, but that, uh, I, I, I fail to see, seeing as how Notre Dame hasn't played in Ann Arbor since 2013. Mm-hmm. When Tommy Reese was the quarterback, mm-hmm. um, who's now in the booth, how any of that has any factor on Saturday's game whatsoever? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, you know, I think this is something that that ESPN likes to put in the the bottom of a crawler somewhere uh, and make it seem like it's a big deal, so that we can talk about it around the water cooler. Um, but the fact, you know, it's it's. It's sort of like the home team has won the last eight of these, and you know nine of these games have been played at night, and the home team has always won that all nine of the the uh, the night games or whatever. Um, that's that's all well and good, except um, you know 2018 has some bearing on this game because some of the players that were on that t- team played uh, are going to play on Saturday. But um, you know I I'd be hard pressed to say anything about 2013 or that that last game and in Ann Arbor has any bearing on how the team uh, will play in, 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 uh, on Saturday. Oh no. I mean, if, if you go back to the 2018 game, um, who were the most important players on the field for each team? And a pretty large number of those players are back for Notre Dame. And if you look over at the other side, defensively, just about every playmaker for Michigan is gone. Sure. So, yeah, I'm, I'm so just very doing curious the, to see how that plays out. Doing the damage in my head, right? Jerry Tillery still is not here, and he certainly played an outsized role. Uh, yes. But on their side, uh, Chase Winovich, uh, Devin Bush, 
Uh, uh, Rashawn Gary. Um, Rashawn Gary. Yep. I still think he's. Uh, I still think he's somewhere out there, just almost getting to a sack. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's very, uh, very Rashawn Gary. He always, uh, he always seemed to be just there to get the sack and always commanding that double team, of course, right? I feel that way about Julian Aquara, though. You know, I feel like yeah. Julian Aquara is almost getting a lot of sacks. Yeah, so. he is. Uh, Julian Aquara is in that same sort of, especially last year. Julian Aquara, with all of the the hurries and the pressures that he had, he almost always seemed to just kind of get there. And if not for that Virginia game, I think the narrative on him might be uh, somewhat similar going into this game as well. Yeah, let me ask you a question. Were you surprised uh, at where the line opened for this game and and sort of? That I think it's creeped back. The last that maybe I saw it was uh, Michigan favored by one. Is, is Bovada's, that sort? Bovada's got that line at even right now. Oh, at even? Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I know, uh, like Odd Shark and some other uh, Caesars. I think is still one, but Bovada, if you want, you can get that line. I don't know why you'd want to get it even, but <laughs> no. I mean, uh, the line is. I mean, that's that's Michigan, right? There, if there's one thing, a fool and his money are soon parted. And Michigan, I mean, if you look at the preseason Heisman uh, odds, who is in the top 10? Shea Patterson. Shea Patterson Mm -hmm. has never thrown for 300 yards in a football game. And there were Michigan fans out in the desert just dropping stupid money on him. Uh, They were favored going into the game last year, um, despite Michigan coming off, what, an 8-5 and season, um, a dismal performance in the bowl game. Um, which they never, um, you know, obviously Michigan never never cares to show up for those, so they don't count. But, um, yeah, it, they were favored going into the game last year. They're favored going into the four points this year, and the money was just too much that it it just slid back over. Do you, do you feel, though, that this game on Saturday is going to be close? I, 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 have, a, I have a tightness in my, in my stomach, and I think it's because I think we're squeaking this out. Um, I don't know. I, I seem more confident that the USC game was going to be, uh, you know, like two touchdown spread than I was about this Michigan game. How do you, I mean, what's your feeling? So I guess, yeah. I mean, my question to you with the USC game was, and in the closeness of it is, so what was there something about USC that was tangibly scary? Like, was there something about the USC Trojans that legitimately scared you? Yeah, their their wide receiving core. I just thought that I didn't the Keaton Slovis. I I didn't know who he was, and and obviously he was coming back from injury. But I thought if they could get the ball into the hands of their playmakers, then it could spell doom for the for the Irish secondary. Obviously, it didn't materialize that way. I mean, it, yeah, I mean there was definitely the risk and the fear, and it ended up bearing out a little bit in the second half that they were able to go on a little run there, sort of like Michigan did with Penn State, um, but. What about Michigan? What what about Michigan sort of scares you? Is it their running game that's averaging under four yards a carry? <laughs> their, uh, their quarterback who still is finding that elusive 300-yard game and has a propensity for picks? Uh, what, what is it? I mean, those are all fair points. Um, I, I don't. I don't. I think the defense has regressed, obviously, uh, since what we saw in the first maybe f- four games. Uh, you know, they looked uh, they looked very porous against uh, Wisconsin. Um, this is going to sound hypocritical based on what how we just said past games have no bearing, but past games have bearing on my psyche, and I've been tortured 
and I'm sure you have it 10 times worse, by the ghosts of 2011. I mean, that's a game that are, has an indelible mark in my, in my fandom. And Notre Dame just seems to always find a way to let Michigan State in these games, and it bothers me so much. And I think that's part of why... Um, I think that's part of why it's damaged my psyche to think that this game is going to be stupid close. Right. I, and I mean, you're right. Uh, every single one of these games against Michigan, um, something stupid happens, but I think what that we can draw and, and I mean, it's something that's essentially been this century, right? A lot of these stupid things have happened this century. Um, but I think that at this point, it's fair to draw a line in the sand Brian Kelly 1.0 and Brian (laughs) Kelly 2.0, because a lot of the, the things that would hit this team prior to 2017 hasn't really materialized. Right. I think that we've exercised a lot of these demons and this is one of those demon, you know, with Stanford later on in the year. Um, And then obviously whatever we do in the bowl game, those are the three big Michigan in Ann Arbor, um, Stanford, Palo Alto, and then the bowl game. um, It feels like Brian Kelly's been having his own uh, to to cop something from Chase Winovich revenge tour of sorts and sort of killing some of these narratives that have plagued us over the years. Yeah, and and I'm super glad that they're not dubbing it anything as stupid as a revenge tour. You know, um, but but you're right. These the three games that I identified as as, um, you know, sort of the games that I, I chalked up in July as losses were Georgia, Michigan and Stanford. And obviously, Georgia came to fruition. Uh, Michigan doesn't scare me nearly as much as it did in the offseason. And I think I'm just as guilty as anyone else of believing in, uh, you know, I'm like Lucy with the football. Right. Like, I, I believe that Jim Harbaugh is going to be the coach that that he got paid $7.5 million to be. And it just hasn't happened that way. And it keeps not happening it. And they keep coming back to, well, he was a foot short from the playoff and, you know, whatever it was, 2015, I guess it would be. And so uh, 16. yeah, he was 16. A, okay. 16. I mean, he was, I mean, they also blew a game against Iowa in their house of horrors Kinnick that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they probably would have been in the playoffs if if they did uh, beat over. Uh, yeah, they they would have been in the playoffs if they would have won. And that was Jim's best team, um, unquestionably. Yeah, uh, his best offense, best defense, um, hands down. And they've regressed since. Um, but so so with and Michigan, I, I also I, I just not to interrupt you, but I also bought into the Josh Gaddis hype, and I, I really don't think that that's materialized in the way that, that oh, kind oh. of it was breathless in the off season. Oh, Josh Gaddis, you know, and I, I, oh, you got this wonder, you know, wunderkind kind of uh, offensive mind or whatever. And I, I, what's gone? I mean, what's your sense of what's gone wrong there? I mean, it's it's as simple as the fact that Josh Gaddis um, has never called before the season has never called a play in his life. So he has no idea. And, and you could see it watching the Penn State game, um, the Wisconsin game, too. But I mean, a lot of that was just they were physically outmatched. But the Penn State game early on and there's a lot that they did right in the second half. But you could just tell watching in that first half of the Penn State game that. Josh Gaddis has no idea the rhythm and flow of calling a football game. There's no rhyme or reason as to the things that he does. Like when you watch um, uh, Chip Long call a football game, 
he's doing things in the first half in preparation for what he's going to do in the second half. And the most sure. obvious one that comes to mind for me is, do you remember the Northwestern game last year when Ian Book took off on that quarterback keeper? Of course, yeah. He had been selling that quarterback keeper the entire game. He was doing that zone read, and then the whole game, he was just giving it to the middle, and we're all sitting at home, smashing our fists on the table, stop running directly into their line. <laughs> and then in the fourth quarter, with the game on the line, he runs the same play, only this time, right, Ian Book keeps it and walks into the end zone, and there you have, you know, Pat Fitzgerald looking at his crowd, hoping that they'd cheer, but, you know... <laughs> Much like uh, Jeb Bush, please clap. Yeah, please clap. <laughs> exactly like that. Um, but yeah. So, it, yeah, so you don't share my my psychosis about this being stupid close for for some some weird reason. We're not going to turn Shea Patterson into um, the, the second coming of Tate Forcier or anything like that. So a couple of things. We only yeah. make September Heismans for Michigan okay. players. Okay. Uh, it Fair is October. Enough. Um, so we will not be awarding them. Uh, he's out of the Heisman running, so he can't win the September Heisman for, uh, the other thing though, is in the Michigan games, right? So the 2010 game, we lost the turnover margin by three. We threw three picks and they kept it clean. 2011, Uh we lost, we lost the turnover margin by two. We won in 12, right? We won won the turnover margin four points by four. Correct me if I'm wrong, but they threw five straight interceptions in that game, if I recall correctly. Uh, yeah, uh, Denard Robinson. Uh, it was he was atoning for his sins, or <laughs> all of the picks he should have thrown on those uh, just 500 dead or alive jack boxes he was throwing up in 2011. Those prayers. I think we call them arm punts, if I recall. Yeah, ar- correctly. arm punts, and they uh, they came to the the punt part came into play in uh, 12, but in 13, right? They beat us. Um, once again, they won the turnover margin. Mm-hmm. 14. Although I remember a fun play with Stefan Tuitt in the end zone where he basically, the ball popped up in the air and he like landed on it in the end zone, if I recall correctly. Yeah, you recalled it correctly. And if you remember that game, I believe late in that game in 2013, uh, Tommy Reese threw a pick um, that would have, while Notre Dame was driving. And I believe that that's what put it over the line. So they they won the turnover margin by one in that late pick, which we might have been able to score and tie it up. Um, but then in 14, we win, right? Turnover margin, we win. Sure. Last Elijah year. Shoemate. Uh, yeah, Elijah Shoemate. Um, remember the six. And then last year, of course, we win the turnover margin again. So you're aware of who leads the nation in turnover margin, right? I believe it's Notre Dame. Yeah, it is Notre Dame. Um, we're We're – Stripping teams at a pretty prolific rate. Some of them are uh, certainly armed or certainly earned, um, you know, like the Aquara um, uh, strip, sack, fumble. I guess he killed Perkins and it popped up, right? Sure. Um, In the Virginia game? Yep. Yeah. Well, Michigan, inversely, um, not so good, Bob. They, uh, (laughs) They fumbled 17 times this year and they've lost nine of them. Wow. 17 fumbles? 17 fumbles, and they've lost nine of them. Um, it is this is, a good time to mention that a Notre Dame running back hasn't lost a fumble since 2015? Oh, sweet Jesus. No, it's a terrible time. Okay. Do I need to, like, knock on a piece of wood or something oh, to make you feel better about this? Knock on it. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, oh, so 
a team that turns the ball over, right, the longer they have the ball. And one thing that made Denard effectively uh, an effective weapon, right, Denard Robinson, is he did sure. have a propensity of turning the ball over. But he had the ability to make those big plays, the long runs. If you remember 2012 uh, or 2010, he just shredded us for like 8,000 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, Michigan doesn't. Michigan doesn't. Um, they don't have big plays. They currently are 86 in the nation in yards per play. They're averaging 5.55 yards per play. Wow. Which is, um, we, uh, the nation likes to mock Michigan State for essentially being offensively inept. Yeah. Um, Michigan's 12 spots better. And they're only averaging like 0.3 yards more, less than 0.29 yards per play better than Michigan this year. Wow. Um, So Michigan's offense requires long drives, right? They're not getting these big chunks. Or if they get big chunks, um, it's normally a big chunk, and then it's punt, 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 three and out, three and out. Right. So Michigan needs to, to, to have the ball. And what is Clark, Clark Lee's defense typically what he makes you do? is he makes you, and we saw this with the USC game and the entirety of, and even going back to Elko, uh, the way that this defense is set up is they want to make you march down the field. No big plays. Mm-hmm. When Diaco was here, it was we called it bend but don't break. Yeah, bend but, but, bend but don't break. And it's, it's a lot like that now. Um, yeah. What did we call it when Van Gorder was here? Uh, <laughs> break, break, but, but break and break again. <laughs> break, but please... <laughs> Please don't stop. It hurt so bad. <laughs> yeah, it was. But so the longer Michigan has the ball, right? And, and this is how we kind of played USC last year. And offensively, there were some foibles. But, um, you know, the longer they have the ball, there's the higher propensity for Shea to turn it over. And if Shea gets on the move, which given our pass rush, he's probably going to be on the move a lot. So the hope is, is that the, the turnovers, if we can win the turnover margin, um, under Brian Kelly, it is almost assuredly a win. Either winning the turnover margin or a turnover margin of zero. Since Brian Kelly's been the head coach of Notre Dame, Notre Dame has gone 65-9. and nine. Wow. Four of those games were in 2016, uh, yeah. the year we shall not name. I'm sorry, I guess I did. Four of the nine, is that what yeah. you're saying? Four yeah. of the nine. And yeah. then of those nine games that we've dropped, six of them were games where we broke even in the turnover margin. We have three losses since 2010 where Notre Dame lost, won the turnover margin. It was 2010 Stanford, 2016 Texas, and 2016 Virginia Tech. Those are the only three games since Brian Kelly has been head coach where Notre Dame has won the turnover margin and lost the football game. Right. So it stands to reason that come Saturday, if they win the turnover margin, and again, Notre Dame leading the nation in turnover margin and Michigan having a propensity to fumble, um, that that spells a Irish victory come Saturday. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just have a hard time picturing, unless Notre Dame loses the turnover battle, how Michigan is going to be able to put together more than a handful of drives 
in meaningful minutes. I mean, they might end up doing like what they did in uh, last year against us or against Penn State and get meaningless touchdowns. And even against Wisconsin, they gave they scored two touchdowns against Wisconsin basically in in meaningless meaningless minutes. Sure. Um, I just have a hard time seeing how this stagnant offense with no real identity that's averaging less than four yards per carry with a quarterback that's never thrown for more than 300 yards is going to figure out a way to win this game without winning the turnover margin. I mean, you don't think there's any way that Mark Harmon's dad gives uh, Shea Patterson like a number in the 90s and all of a sudden he just like plays out of his mind for one night? Um Unless uh, Roy Roundtree stepped onto the field (laughs) against Gary Gray with his dreamy eyes that Gary (laughs) Gray just could not stop looking at. I mean, his eyes, I I, I can't. It was tough to see through the TV, so I've never really (laughs) seen Roy Roundtree's eyes, but they must have been the most beautiful color because Gary Gray could not stop staring at them. He was mesmerized. He was just mesmerized, locked in. So I will say that the idea of Notre Dame winning by 14 seems a thousand times more probable than Michigan winning by 14. If Michigan wins, I I think it's got to be 27-24, something like that, right? With a couple of Ian Book picks or something. I mean, I think it's got to be even lower scoring than that. It's got to be. So if Michigan's able to keep the game in the low, the high teens, low 20s. Like a nineteen seventeen sort of thing or something crazy yeah, one like of that. Those gross, like a gross score. Like they did with Iowa, ten three, right? Ten three, where they scored yeah. one offensive touchdown and then somehow they managed to to win the game. And their head coach comes out and says, "Offense is fine, boys." <laughs> yeah, it's um because the strength of of Michigan is, I guess, it's their wide receivers. Right, Tariq Black, Nico Collins, Donovan Peoples Jones, Donovan Peoples Jones, and then yeah. uh, Bell. But um, is Bell the one that that dropped the pass that would have tied the Ronnie game? Ronnie Bell is the one that dropped yeah. the pass. And oh, honestly, God, Ronnie I, Bell, I felt for him. I actually felt for him. That that sucks. I mean, I didn't. <laughs> that's absolutely fine. I think that's. I think that's totally. Most Irish fans are probably with you. I mean, just... you're supposed to. You're supposed to say that you you do. Um, but like, it's Michigan, and yeah, no, I uh, totally get it. I totally get it. Would have made this game so much. I mean, they would have had confidence because as soon as Michigan gets punched in the mouth in this game, they don't have a Big Ten title to play for, right? So right. since 2004, they still don't have a Big Ten title. They're out of the playoffs. So the playoffs are off off the, the the books as well. Right. So what does this team have in front of them? S- spoiling other 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 great teams' seasons, right? It's just Did we lose you, Brendan? Oh, here. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. I, I thought I lost you. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to say anything. Yeah, That's so I mean, what does this team have to play for? I, I think it's spoiling uh, this, the great seasons that before Notre Dame and possibly Ohio State. I, I don't, do they play anybody else that they could spoil a season for at this point? 
No, I mean, they have a rivalry game with Michigan State. The Michigan State team's probably going to have a couple of more losses. They got to still play Wisconsin, right? Or, yeah, don't they play? Uh, no, they play Penn State this week. Uh, Michigan State does. I, I think Michigan State's going to pick up a few more else before they play. Um, they play Indiana. Um, they've played most of the terrible teams already. Do they right? play Minnesota at all? They don't. They've, okay. they've managed to miss Minnesota. Um, yeah, they, they don't have any, it's basically us in Ohio state as far as that they can spoil. All right. So, so that's it, right? This, these are the two games. Yeah. It's, it's basically these two games. And if you play the spoiler role, like if you're up, perhaps maybe you'll, you'll, you'll rise to the occasion. You're like, all right, we can do this. We can spoil the season. But this team, I mean, they, they hung in there in Penn State, and I'll give them some credit with that, though I think yeah. James Franklin contributed to it. And James Franklin is, has a propensity of just blowing those games. 2017 and 18 Ohio State is prime examples, uh, blowing yep. up 15 and 11-point leads in the fourth quarter. But there was a – if you saw the tweet from, I believe it was uh, – Taylor Lewan, no, Jake Long, former left tackle for Michigan. He tweeted out during the Wisconsin game, during Michigan's offensive line, they were coming out onto the field in the third quarter, and they were just walking. And it was the saddest thing that I've ever Mm -hmm. seen. You see these big guys just walking out onto the field with a defeated look on their face in the third quarter of a football game. And nothing would bring me more joy than to see that same sort of thing. If ND can do what they... They did last year and sure. jump out early, or even Penn State. If they can get out early like Penn State did, this team, this Michigan team just might fold. So is there a matchup that you are going to be having your eye on Saturday? Is there is there something where you think that Notre Dame might be feasting on and going back to, say, repeatedly? I, that's the one thing is I'm not sure what particular match. They have pretty good corners. Um, okay. Aubrey Thomas is very good. Uh, Lavert Hill is very good. Um, uh, Montel- Montellus, Mont- the safety. Yeah, the uh, guy the who got, got kicked out of the yeah get kicked out of the last game, right? Yeah, the kicked out of the last. Or no, he didn't get kicked out of the last game, but he was the guy that got um, mossed by Chris Fink, I believe. Oh, I thought he was the one who got kicked out, and then the the other dude got mossed. But I, I may have just remembered that incorrectly. Oh, so. Uh, he he had a factor somewhere in there with he uh, definitely with he definitely had a factor in the game yeah um but I mean as you know Don Brown is very inflexible and they do play a little bit more uh um some more zone concepts this year but Don Brown's still going to play man to man and there's going to be some times where if Ian Book if Ian Book would just take a risk i think that if we can get chase claypool matched up with a safety or if we can get um you know maybe Braden lindsey uh as a couple of sort of gadget plays where mm. he can get a mismatch and you can see him sort of do what K- kj hamler did where he was able to they gave him the big cushion and hamler just ran by his man for that 53 yard touchdown right but i just I have a feeling that Ian Book is going to play very conservative, um, not turn the ball over, and that it's really going to be on um, just death by a thousand cuts and what we what whatever comes out of um, Jafar Armstrong and Tony Jones Jr. in that backfield. Okay. So, 
All right. I'm feeling I mean, what okay. Are your, I mean, is there something that, I mean, is Cole Komet something that, that, that attracts you? I mean, where where's your headspace at? Uh, yeah. First of all, I think I've said this on previous podcasts. I'm over the moon excited about Cole Komet this season. I, I didn't realize how much of a weapon he was going to be. I think there's a comfort level there between uh, him and, and Book um, that didn't seem to be hurt at all by his, his absence in the beginning of the season to injury. And I think now he is... They're, they're running plays that Cole Komet can, is uniquely positioned to run very well. And they're exploiting him in matchups where he can, you know, he's got a, a linebacker trailing him. You know what I mean? I just feel like um, they've, they've really gotten that, that going with him. And I'm, I'm really excited about that. I loved watching Tony Jones Jr., uh, you know, gash USC last week. And I felt like I wasn't as concerned about, the receivers not making, they had one play in the beginning of the game to chase Claypool. And it felt like there weren't a lot of other plays that were like that, you know, that, that 25 yard, you know, throw it right to the place where only the receiver can get it sort of play or whatever. Um, But I was just so happy about Tony Jones jr. That it didn't, the, the lack of wide receiving, the lack of uh, throws and catches you know, big throws and catches didn't, didn't bother me as much. Obviously, last year, the Moss play with the Chris Fink was great. Um, I would love to see something like that again. Um, but I just, I don't, I, don't know where, I don't know where it's coming from, but I feel very good that Notre Dame won't go in there and feel the moment too big. No matter how many people are in that stadium, no matter how loud it gets. Um, it's not Georgia. It's it's not Georgia, and I think it's still I think it's a place that they're just you know there's a there's they it, I just don't think the the moment will get too big for them. I don't Michigan, think this is a, yeah. Their stadium is a lot like Notre Dame in the sense that there's a lot of older fans. Um, it's an open air stadium, right? That just sort of creeps up in the sun. Their their booth uh, their Luxury suites like Notre Dame's um, have done a pretty good job of keeping in some of the noise, but Michigan Stadium doesn't. They have 110,000 people, and it doesn't get any louder than any other stadium. Mm-hmm. A lot of old old hairs sitting in their seats <laughs> on their hands. Um, but I do uh, circling back to Tony Jones. Um, he was fantastic in the Virginia game, right? Yeah, Buck, uh, buck thirty one seven two eight per carry, three touchdowns. Yeah, that sounds about right. And he went for 110 on 15 carries against Louisville for 7-3-3. Tony Jones Jr. is averaging seven yards a carry, and I am just like, I have a, a plate of crow that I've just been eating because I was, <laughs> I crushed like I, I crushed Tony Jones Jr. I was all last year, um, as being a very un, uninspiring and very boring player, and watching him this year, like between I don't know who is the bigger senior sort of reclamation project. Oh my gosh, how did we all miss this? Asmar Bilal. (laughs) Because the two of them going into the season, I could not have had more differing opinions um, six games later than I did, um, you know, to begin the year. It's, it's unreal. Yeah. One of your fellow staff writers and editors, Brad Wechter is he, he said Asmar Bilal in the, in the off season was going to, was going to have, was primed for a good season. And Josh and I just literally just poo pooed him all the way off the episode. It basically made him feel bad for that take. And it just, and he is, he has not let us forget it. Um, and especially when uh, ESPN ranked him the 28th best player of the 
it's college football season so far. Yeah. It's just like, okay, this is really happening. It's really happening. Yeah, this is really happening. It's like Harrison, Harrison Smith, right? His senior year where like Brian Kelly comes in and says, hey, how could you be playing anything other than safety? What was the previous staff? If he's not a safety, we're not playing him, right? Right. And it's it's very much the same thing. Like Asmar is having we will be looking back, you know, years from now and there will be a fifth year guy and we'll say, is he going to have that Asmar season? (laughs) <laughs> wow yeah um i want to ask you living in ann arbor what the i mean i'm sure you interact with michigan fans all freaking day long and i all just wanted long. i just wanted to get a sense from you how are they feeling about this season and are they chirping a lot knowing that you're a notre dame guy no it is uh, this um it's since the wisconsin game it has been a slow. So I work in, a, in an office building that is essentially all um, all Michigan fans, Michigan grads, Michigan fans, uh, the whole lot. All of my most of my friends are Michigan fans. Uh, I have an in-law that's Michigan fan, uh, and it has been a slow procession towards. They expect to get murdered on Saturday. Oh, okay. Two a one. Um, they none of them expect to come out of this game. Uh, there's some hope that they're going to keep it close. But almost to a man, the general vibe that I have around Ann Arbor and the fans that I interact with, um, it's they're not particularly excited. Um, Josh Gat, they were sold a bill of goods with Josh Gaddis, and it's not panned out. And I think the thing that they were sold more so than Josh Gaddis that they um, didn't quite realize is their offensive line has been absolute dog bleep this year you're welcome to say dog shit it's 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 <laughs> our podcast <laughs> yeah I've, i i'm a frequent listener i i know uh <laughs> yeah josh josh josh, a, josh likes to uh, yeah. drop them um but yeah i mean when you're watching the army game earlier in the year and you're seeing these 260 pound army d linemen get pushed yeah them back and getting pushed and charbonnet right um, right. Zach uh, uh, Charbonnet getting hit behind the line of scrimmage against Army. What is happening? Right. And I just I don't know if it's because they were an OK offensive line last year and they moved to this new sort of uh, Josh Gaddis brought the RPO uh, air quotations to Ann Arbor. And are they having issues with there's there's some nuance to blocking with an RPO, right? Because every play is is technically a run. Um, so you have to watch getting downfield. So uh, are they having issues picking up the new blocking scheme? I don't know what's going on there, but their offensive line is just absolutely horrific, which doesn't go well um, mm-hmm. for them. And that's why they expect just to get blitz this weekend um i'm i'm biting my tongue and um hedging my bets um because i've been burned in the past right yeah you don't want to get too far ahead of your skis on something where you have to live with these people for an and i mean this is the last game for the foreseeable future for these guys i mean uh i think uh is it wade manual who's the ad over at uh Uh, yeah ward manual Um, ward manual yeah so he said too yeah so he said in the uh, i think it was over the summer look i've had conversations with jack swarbrick who's obviously the notre dame ad we haven't had conversations recently 
you know, I've got a lot on my plate for the 2020s. Um, you know, I think MGo blog was saying, I don't think these guys are going to play each other till 2030 at the earliest. Because, I mean, you look at our schedule and we don't have a spot for them. Well, Michigan doesn't have a spot. I mean, Michigan's they've got they've got a bunch of people on there. You know, you're not going to play. Uh, what is it? They've got, uh, they got Oklahoma yeah. and Texas. I mean, they, they got some they got some real power players and you're not going to add a you're not going to add Notre Dame to that. I mean, you're there's there's hard scheduling and then there's just making things impossible for yourself, especially when you play Ohio State every single year. Right. You know, and so. whatever the Big Ten. Right. These sort of Big Ten uh, teams are. Uh, I mean, you heard Jim Harbaugh was making the rounds on the, the local media this week saying that he wants to see the game come back. Um, I think he was on the morning show on the local radio station here saying that he wants to see the game come back. But, um, yeah, I mean, we, we're, we're scheduled out. to Michigan will move land, earth, and sea to put us on the schedule. Sure, they, they moved kicked, the game in 2018, right, for the Arkansas game? They kicked Arkansas off their schedule. They had home and homes right. with Arkansas, and they basically told Arkansas to pound dirt so they could get us on here. Right. Um, yeah, Ward Manuel and Jim Harbaugh, both of them are 80s Michigan football players. Uh, they live that sort of nostalgia bow we like going 10 and 2 and playing notre dame <laughs> losing the rose bowl <laughs> losing in the rose bowl um that's why uh yeah i mean yeah, bosham beckler um yeah he always he ate his suit off a plate because he kept losing his bowls um <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, they would they would move heaven and earth to get to get us back on the schedule, and I don't I don't know if we want them back on the schedule because um, we have Michigan State coming back, Purdue well, coming back, Purdue coming back, yeah, Purdue's and and there's back. a lot of there's a there's a, a definitely um, um, loud maybe small but loud contingent of people that thought after 2014 we should stop playing them because uh, the 37 nothing was so brilliant and. You know, that was sort of the apex of, you know, how good it could get, how good it could get. And um, and so there was a trepidation about playing them in 2018 again, because, you know, all of a sudden the, the, the series is going to scratch clean or whatever. But um, I I enjoy the game. I just we've got, you know, so much commitments with the ACC and then they're not going to they're never going to give up Stanford, USC no. and Navy. Um, nope. I think. Out of those three, maybe maybe Stanford would they go wanna, first. They want to end always, the season in California, they always want, right? Yeah, that's that's always been the stated goal, right? So until that stops becoming the stated goal, I can't see a scenario in which they stop playing Stanford, right? So mm-hmm. you're locked into five ACC games, three, and your three like you know, a blood oath type uh, USC, Stanford, and and, and Navy. Uh, Josh calls it a Wookiee life debt to the, uh, to yeah, the Navy forever. Navy people or whatever. So that's eight games on your schedule, right? And so, and you're not going to get you're gonna, not going to get crazy. Um, you need a, you need a game at home most years where uh, somebody doesn't want to return back. So you're going to buy a game from a MAC team, and we've been doing you know we've been slowly moving our way through. And I bet you at some point we get to uh, Central Michigan or Eastern Michigan or somebody like that, right? But yeah. um, I mean, we've already done Western, right? We did yeah. Western. And we're um, going to do Western again next year, too. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So, Miami of Ohio, Bowling Green, obviously, you've seen you've seen these. Um, so, I just, Michigan feels like a schedule them twice, possibly three times every uh, 10 years sort of thing. And if you only get to them once, then you only get to them once. But I, I think they should be on, this, on the future schedule. 
Um, if they don't play again until 2030, I'm, I think that's perfectly fine. I'm, I'm very excited about some of the, some of the games in the future with Texas A&M and with, uh, obviously Alabama. Alabama. Yeah, yeah. That's huge. Um, so well, I'm, some... just, I'm excited for even like getting Clemson back next year. Um, sure. Yeah. I, I mean, Arkansas is dog shit, but like they're on the schedule next year. That'll be, I think that will be fun. It'll be yeah. fun, and it'll be one of those things where we can say win against the, the SEC. That's, That's big, right. right? Exactly, like, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we Put can that get the, the sound bites uh, from uh, Chad Morris, right? That's their coach. He's yep. talking about how um, uh, Notre Dame Stadium's uh, no different than any other, uh, just like uh, the Vandy coach last year. <laughs> yeah, like Derek Mason, yeah. Derek Mason showing up. Uh, RIP Derek Mason. Uh, he will be uh, <laughs> probably looking for employment. Hopefully not this year, because they'll probably come calling for Clark Lee, right? Yeah, they probably will. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, you had something in the show notes that I, I wanted to, to explore a little bit. You said, there's a mountain of statistical evidence of why this game is going to play out like 2017 Michigan State. And I really want to hear this because 2017 Michigan State, that was a fun game. So It was a very fun game. Um, yeah, it was a, the 2017 Michigan State game was one, I believe, it was a night game against, mm-hmm. a, yep. Big Ten, against a Big Ten opponent in the state of Michigan. Yeah. Uh, Michigan State was ranked 15th in the nation, right? And we absolutely housed them, trucked them. Yeah. Uh, Mark D'Antonio, um, in classic Mark D'Antonio fashion, scores the late touchdown and goes for two. To I guess instead of uh, it, the final score was thirty-eight to eighteen, and Mark D'Antonio goes for two to, to instead, cut the lead to eighteen <laughs> to, to cut the lead to twenty instead of twenty-one. I'm not. That's like some opposite of Narduzzi math. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Uh, it's like new math, Narduzzi math. I'm not, they're from the same school. So I'm not sure that D'Antonio Narduzzi math, how it works out. But um, yeah, if, if you look at the Michigan, Michigan state team um, that year, they didn't do anything particularly well offensively. They just had a pretty salty defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of a lot of the same way that Michigan is this year is their defense isn't particularly dominant. Michigan State, by no, they were good in 2017, but um, they weren't dominant. Um, I think Michigan's giving up close to 19 points a game this year. Um, yards per play is pretty good, but uh, teams are scoring on them, and they're turning the ball over, and that's one thing that Michigan State did as well mm-hmm. in 2017. Is sure, the Julian... Up- yeah. The Julian Love... Uh- Strip was it a pick sack. six or, or did he get? Oh yeah, Julian Love had the the uh, the pick six, and then um, did he take that one all the way back, or did he get? Yeah, he took out? that one to the house, and okay. then uh, Golden Mongoose uh, did a strip. <laughs> John Cron- Crawford, yeah, that was yeah, great. He stripped stripped him on the one. Um, but yeah, like, that I don't was... I don't believe in momentum, but it felt like that felt like one of those like oh my god, instead of a fourteen to fourteen game, it became a twenty one seven game. You know what I mean? And, and then we were off to the races. Yeah, it was just so. off. To, and then you got uh, Preparation H, Mark D'Antonio on the sidelines, just <laughs> making every awful, awful expression like he had just eaten a mouthful of tax and he had to pass him through his colon the next morning. <laughs> is Preparation H, like, the his face is the epitome of what you would expect people to use Preparation H to feel like or yeah, to look like? Yeah, see the commercials and they're always smiling. But you know, if you're using preparation face, you're not smiling. That's right. There's nothing, there's nothing happy going on, right? There's nothing happy going on. 
and he is a generally and typically um, smileless man, um, except when he's cheating by kicking field goals with the the play clock expired. Uh, <laughs> or faking oh. field the play call play clock expired. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I've seen him smile three times in his life. The the Michigan game with the the Do where you... Jim Harbaugh goofed the punt. Oh yeah. Uh, the the Wisconsin game with the the Hail Mary and then the Notre Dame game where he faked. Uh... Do you have to deal with Spartan fans too in your area, or do they kind of keep a low profile because of where um, they live? They kept uh, it was uh, Spartans. What did they they went they won like seven straight games against Notre Dame, right? Um, oh yeah, for a while there, yeah, it was it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad for a while there. I mean, even John L was getting into the act. Um, we hadn't won. It was a, it was a, right. Cause we lost, we lost to them and, uh, they planted the flag. In, oh yeah. Uh, I was there for that game. 2005, 2005 but 2006, we won that game. So, because that in, was the, uh, in, yeah, the that's rain the, comeback. That's the Valenti pucker. The Valenti rant. Yep. Yeah. Uh, which he is, he's, he's calmed down in recent years, but still a pretty good listen. Um, he, by the way, has compared us to Iowa. Uh, leading up to this game, he said oh. game. Uh, I heard him earlier this week. Mike Valenti, uh, he does this every time Michigan plays an opponent. He likes to um, uh, equate Michigan's opponent to being something less than. So then, when they lose the game, he can rub their nose in it. Uh, oh, okay. All right. Week. Although Michigan beat Iowa early this season, so I guess by by the trans, I don't know if the transitive property works with Mike Valenti like that, but yeah. Well, I mean, they, they scored ten points, right? Iowa scored three. Yeah. I mean, we're just like Iowa. We're we're uh, same same level of prolific offense. Um, just the, I'll be I'll be pretty freaking pissed if we only score three points on Saturday. Got to be honest with you. I don't. So. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm gonna have to try that thing where I don't show up on Monday and see if it works again. <laughs> uh, all right, so we've been at it for 45 minutes, but I want to. Um, get your last thought here you had you had some sort of um parallels between um horror movies and uh the michigan season or michigan games and uh, i'm getting the sense that you're a big movie guy is this like is this like a thing a passion of yours is like when you like when you wind down your movies are your thing or no i don't have time for movies anymore i'm a father uh, (laughs) okay um but i am a fan of uh pop culture uh specifically uh everything prior to uh, the birth of my children. Um, but no, I, when I think of it, it is, it is the Halloween's time. We're nine days from, from Halloween. Sure. And um, when I think of Michigan, I, I think of a lot of, in a lot of ways. And when Michigan, when you think of Michigan, it's sort of like a horror movie. And as far as uh, Michigan games go, um, like if you had to rank the, th- if, if, if a Michigan loss is a horror movie, if you had to rank, the three worst horror movies of the of, of Michigan games. Where, 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 what games would you put on there? Oh well, first and foremost, 2011 was the one that damaged damaged me like permanently. So that one that one is my my worst. Uh, 2009, I think it was, which was like Tater Tot. Yeah, Tater. Yeah, Tate Four CA, and then was that Our- also the 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 play where they ran off the clock and there should have been one more play and Charlie Weiss was looking all stunned around. Wasn't that 2009 as well? So the sequence of events was 2009. Uh, and this was one of mine that stuck in my mind. Um, a tater tot juked Brian Smith out of his jock strap, which I believe uh. there's still an APB out for Brian's <laughs> jock strap. 
Uh, but that was the game Armando <laughs> Allen was called out and he wasn't out. Oh, yes. But Josh also in that curious, game, curious about that. So, That's right. So Chuck, Chuck's got the ball. Notre Dame's got the ball, right? And right. Um, Michael Floyd gets hurt. And so uh, Kamara comes into the game. And with like two minutes, three minutes left in the game, Chuck decides to outthink the whole room. And on first down, he runs. And then on second and third down, he chucks on second down a bomb to Golden Tate. Which okay. goes complete, stops the clock. And then on third down, with Michael Floyd out, he throws a hook to Kamara, who drops it. And then they have Ben Mock comes out, has like a 25 yard punt. Set Tater Tot Force A up with the ball at the, like the 45 yard line, all three timeouts. And they end up scoring the game winning play with like seconds left on the clock. It was horrific. Yeah. The, 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 that was the problem, was the 2009, 2010, and 2011 games were all, all came down to the last 30 seconds, and we lost all of them. Oh. And it was just – so, I, I mean, my, my third answer is probably 2010, just because I remember that one being like, uh, I, I, did, we just, did we seriously just do this again? Yeah, you know, because I mean, so, Rudolph, the rainbow comes up. Rudolph runs down for the ninety-yard touchdown, and everyone's excited. Uh, yeah, Dane, Chris, eyeball Chris gets falling hurt. out the first yep. half, and yep. Tommy Reese comes in, throws his first pass as a flea flicker interception. Nate Montana throws a pass to the band. To the band at up. the end of the half, yeah, yep. Um, for and me, we still the almost won one, that freaking game. Uh, on the same vein, because this is how they go. The ninety-four game. Where uh-huh. I'm sitting there, I'm nine years old, sitting in my living room. I'm wearing my champion brand, Ron Paulus, number three jersey. <laughs> and Paulus hits Derek Mason for a touchdown with a minute left. And right. Todd Flippin' Collins drives the field in 45 seconds. And Remy Hamilton breaks my heart with like a 41-yarder as time expires. Just Is, absolutely abhorrent. Was that game, was 94 game played at Notre Dame? Uh, no, we only, we only, um, we only lose games. Uh, uh, yeah, it was, it was a Notre Dame. It was at home. It was an even game. Yeah. Yeah. That's my first Notre Dame game I ever attended. That 94 Michigan game. That's, um, that sucks, right? It does suck. <laughs> oh, oh man. But, um, yeah, in the same sort of horror, uh, so if you had to equate Michigan, the, the Michigan series, uh, or the, the program of Michigan as a horror franchise, because as you know, horror movies like the franchise. Um, yeah. Have you put any thought into this? What, what's what I, a horror movie? I, I, okay. So full disclosure, my wife hates horror movies. I've been married to her for 12 years now. I don't know that I've seen five horror movies in 12 years because we just, we don't, we don't get time to like, you know, with kids, like you just, don't your free time is so limited. And then you go, you watch it, things with your wife that she wants to watch. And, and, and I'm just not like, I don't feel as strong about horror movies so that I don't, I don't go to bath for them. You know what I mean? Like if it's a good suspense or a thriller or whatever, most of the good ones go, came out the eighties anyway though. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's sort of like, um, so I'm, I'm actually curious to hear yours because I oh, don't have a good answer for this. Mine's absolutely perfect. And there's only one correct answer in this particular okay. question. It is the Saw franchise. Oh, uh, because there is seemingly a new and inventive way that <laughs> Michigan manages to beat us every single time. Like it's the officials, right? It's, it's sure 
it's a hook and ladder play to get the ball down after Tommy Reese scores the touchdown in 2011, right? It's Denard Robinson. It's it's Denard Robinson handing the ball to a fullback in the 2011 game. Notre Dame was up 24 24 to seven at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah. He hands this. the ball to what? What was that guy's name? Um, uh, Hopkins, I believe it's Stephen Hopkins, as I think his name was. Okay. He hands the ball to Stephen Hopkins, third and one from the goal line. Stuffs him, he fumbles. Right. The ball, ball pops straight up. Yeah. Right into Denard Robinson's hands, who walks into the end zone untouched. Unreal. And Tommy uh, Reese isn't touched, fumbles the ball. Fumbles the ball. Yeah. Yep. Like I do that. I did that stuff to my dog, right? Go to throw the ball. <laughs> like... I shouldn't laugh because it's terrible. It's, it's absolutely horrible. terrible. Yeah. So there, there was just always a new and inventive way for us to figure out. Just like the soft franchise, they were always coming up with a new and inventive way to 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 kill to kill a Cariel with or whoever yeah. was going to do be. Do you uh, do you remember the '99 game where Bobby Brown got flagged for unsportsmanlike conduct because he did like the like the moose uh, hands to the head or whatever? Yeah, this- Didn't they? It was uh, was it the was it the eighty eight? It was the eighty eight game, right? Where the 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 crowd got flagged. We yeah. won the game, but the crowd got flagged for being too loud. Yeah, I don't know if it was 88 or – yeah, maybe 88. It might have been 88 or – I wanted to say 90, but it's right around that time. Yeah, it might have been 88. So – Because, I mean, you've I mean, you you've heard Harbaugh. Did you hear Harbaugh make his rounds earlier in the week? I did um, not. He was complaining about the officials. He said that there was something like – I don't, it was like 12 penalties that didn't get called on Michigan, he was saying. Um, okay. And it was – it was he's kind of right there was some calls that didn't go their way um but he was anyone who would listen harbaugh was saying that they got chipped by the officials and i have a sneaking suspicion that these big 10 officials in ann arbor are going to pull some um shenanigans as they really at these games okay right because i i'm not sure why i heard somewhere that it's big 10 officials i thought we normally traveled with acc yeah I heard somewhere that it was going to be Big Ten officials, and um, yeah, Jim was anyone who would listen. Uh, he sent a tape to the Big Ten as as Brian Kelly did last year, and uh, with seeing as how we were held on almost every play, but the ACC didn't. I think the tapes just like Brian Kelly had an address that he was supposed to mail them to, but the address <laughs> was to like a dumpster in Charlotte. <laughs> uh, all right, so the the. I don't think this is going to make you feel any better, but the team, the head referee who did the 2013 Michigan game was David Epperly, and his umpire was Mike Webster. And I'm just looking here real quick. They also did Pat Ryan. It was the back judge. Chris Junius was the field judge. Eddie Bonet was the side judge. They also did the 2014 Florida State game. Oh, no. But yeah. wait a minute. That was when we got – But. But that was when we got that was when we got jobbed. Yeah, imagine that, right? They also did the 2013 Pittsburgh game. Oh my lord, that's the one where uh, Stefan Tuitt got thrown out, right? Uh, no. For targeting the targeting that never happened. Oh, oh no. Oh, I guess I'm hoping this guy doesn't work. They also did the 2015 Boston College game at Fenway Park, which is sort of like a I don't uh, fumble, remember that fumble, game. I was fumble so... fest, the nineteen sixteen slog. Um, let's we see. did, we did, uh, we did the Michigan thing though, where we only scored like nineteen points, but we had like four hundred yards, right? Yeah, yard points. That's what yard they call points. it. They they yeah. win by yards. 
Yeah. Epperly was also the lead judge, uh, lead referee in the 2018 USC game. So, so if there's a path to defeat, it is entirely based upon uh, the zebras, right? I mean, I hate saying the referee. Oh, the referees totally jobbed us. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel it's like a loser's that, mentality. I mean, it's a it's should... a very much a loser's mentality. Um, and I remember after the 2014 Florida State game. Somebody had done one of those, like, you know, bulletin board, thumbtack, like, pieces of yarn type, like, reaction. And I can't, the guy who called the foul. the Charlie Day sort of uh, always sunny. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, oh, this person called this play in in this game. And it turned out, like, half of his information wasn't even correct. Yeah, Michigan Um, fans did that with the the Ohio State ref. Oh, yeah, right. With the lines and stuff like that. The lines. Yeah, because he was like third generation, twice removed Ohio State graduate or something, and his like second cousin lived in Columbus. I don't know. And he once tweeted or something like that. I don't know, yeah, whatever. he once he once retweeted something um, that uh, yeah that Chris Carter uh, tweeted out, and Chris Carter played for Ohio State, so therefore, <laughs> so, the, so therefore, ergo. Um, yeah, so, anyways, but, in lot- the case of the 2014 Florida State game, though. Like that's not griping. That's not a loser's mentality because that was a that was a play that distinctly decided the game in which Notre Dame left every single speck of everything on the field. You know, I give a ton of credit to I think it was Jimbo Fisher was coaching Florida State at the time. I give him a ton of credit because Notre Dame had run a similar play either in a previous game or in the first half of that game. And he was all over the officials. You need to watch out for this. Yeah. He called, you know, he called it a rub route or whatever. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, this is a long winded way of saying Epperly as a referee and his crew are, are ACC related. So, um, you know, so are we getting ACC refs this week? I would assume based on past precedent that (laughs) we would, we would get ACC refs again. So, Uh that just means Big Ten in the booth. So when, uh, uh, so when they they go to the booth to to challenge targeting on Alohi Gilman in the first quarter, uh, there's a zero percent chance that that shoulder isn't considered the head, right? Right. Yep. That's exactly right. So, all right. Uh, I think we've talked enough at the uh, the good listeners here tonight. It, it was a pleasure uh, getting you on and, and having you talk from obviously from a very unique perspective of this week. Um, is there any other things that people, uh, well, tell people where to find you on the, the internet, obviously you're writing for us now, but you, uh, have a social media presence. So just l- lay it out for people where they can find you, where they can follow you and, and, uh, and go from there. Yeah. Um, so I'm on the, I'm on the Twitter machine at very piratey. Um, I am, uh, I do, I do. I've written a couple of uh, mid-season grades. Um, I have an article coming out uh, later in the week that takes some of these same sentiments towards Michigan, um, where I compare the University of Michigan to um, Chernobyl. Have you seen the hit uh, hit television program? <laughs> I, have, I have not. I've heard a lot of great things about it, though. Yeah. Um, uh, it is. Uh, there are some striking similarities between the impending disaster where if Michigan loses this football game, um, it is going to collapse in a in a hurry. Um, so uh, I mean, because yeah, seven and five feels like a real possibility, right? Seven and five is very real. Um, I I mean, Indiana hasn't beaten Michigan since uh, the nineteen eighties, nineteen eighty six, maybe. And I'm not putting an in. If they lose this weekend and their psyche just melts down, I mean. 
seven and five feels kind of real. Um, and then, are you buying into the nine Indiana uh, hype train? Um, no, because they're Indiana. Um, they'll get <laughs> they'll close. Fi- they'll find some way to screw it up. There is a team that is very good at coming. Very, like even the Michigan State game this year, right? Like Indiana always finds a way to. Uh, keep it very close and interesting. They almost beat Troy Smith that one year when Ohio State went to the Natty title, and they almost beat Michigan a handful of times. Yeah, Indiana won seven or eight games, right? I mean, eight feels like a very real possibility. So. Yeah, and especially if they pick up a game against Michigan, I think it's real. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Then we're at nine, so. Yeah. All right, Brendan, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, everybody, catch him on One Foot Down, and, and as he said on, on the Twitter machine, a very piratey. I'm at uh, NDJRS, as always, and uh, go Irish.